what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing? My name is Nathan. Hey, what's up, guys? Well, we extend that out to our campuses, and those of you watching online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in week three of a series called Speak Life, where the right words at the right time can have the right kind of impact in the lives of our friends, family members, and anyone we come into contact with. And uh, last week, you probably were here, Pastor Tim gave a great message called, I Said This, You Heard That, Pastor Tim and Pastor Kyra, and really talking about how we're all wired in different ways. And, and some of us are wired in ways where certain words that we use will impact other people differently and we'll hear them differently. In fact, we talked about the four temperaments that all of us kind of have. And so, and, and when you have one of these temperaments, this is kind of the language that you speak of. If you're a yellow, you speak the language of people and fun. Any yellows in the room? Make some noise. All right, you're having, you're having a good time. Look at that. Uh, uh, power and control. You speak the language of power and control if you're right. Any power and control people in here? Awesome. You're like, get out of the way. I can preach this sermon. I got this. And then we got green, which is calm and harmony. Any greens out there? You guys are so chill that you're just relaxing right now. And then uh, blue is perfection and order. Any blues in the room? All right, you're just more like, I want to make sure it's right. Okay, everything is orderly. Everything's done in the right. And, uh, you know, the thing about these, I saw many of you sharing this on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and all these different places. And some of you were a little bit like, man, I don't really like my color. I wish I was something else. In fact, a friend of mine on Church Online and Facebook, she posted this on my wall. She said this, uh, I drove all the way to work saying, I will not be a red today. I will not be a red today. I will not be a red today. And I just wanted to affirm her, and I want to affirm all of you guys that, listen, there is nothing wrong with your color, okay? It is the way that God has uniquely made you, the way he has wired you, and by that, having that color, it actually is how you can be a blessing to the people around you. It's not like you're a red and you got to, oh, how do I become more of a blue or more of a green? No, no, no. You need to be you, who God made you as, and be aware of there are some weaknesses. There's areas of growth to be aware of. So be aware of those places so that you can accomplish what God has called you to do. And when you are aware of what your temperament is, it, you can kind of see how the words you use colors what you say and even how you hear things. So really knowing this enables you to speak life to people. If you know that there are people that are, have a different temperament than you, you can speak to them in a way that they can hear it, they can receive it, and it builds them up. Because really, we've been talking about the power of the tongue. We've been looking at Proverbs 18, verse 21. This is the verse we're grounding this whole series in, which says this. In fact, why don't we all say this together? It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. So we have a choice. We can use our words to give life, or we can use our words to give death. It's, it's, it's a fruit, or it's poison. We can either breathe life into people in every encounter we have with them, or we can drain life from them in those encounters. And so today, I want to talk about a way that we can actually bring life into people, breathe life into people, and that is through the power of the spoken blessing actually speaking words of life that will have an impact that could literally change the course of someone's life. Now, a lot of times when we think of a blessing, we usually think of, okay, that's the things that are good in my life, right? Like I have a, a house and a car and a great family, and that's true. Or maybe we think of, you know, it's the prayer I pray before I go to bed. Like I, I pray this prayer. Um, but really, the spoken blessing is way more than that. The spoken blessing actually is a powerful tool in our spiritual arsenal. In fact, the word blessing in Hebrew is barak. Can you say barak with me? Okay, we got to say it like good Hebrew. So you got, that's got to come out. Ready? One more time. One, two, three. Barak. Okay, I felt the spit, so that's good. That's good. We, we got it down packed. 
So Barak literally means to kneel. It's this idea of receiving or having a blessing bestowed upon us. And so this word barak means spoken blessing, to receive a blessing. And when you look at the entire scriptures, we see there's a theme of this. In fact, um, a scholar named James Gole kind of gives this great working definition of barak. He says, a blessing is a word spoken for good that carries spiritual power and authority that sets in motion something that will probably go on from generation to generation. So a spoken blessing has the power to actually change your beliefs about yourself, about God, about the world around you. It has the power to change your behavior about how you act and how you respond to things and actually enables you to bestow what you've learned, what you've received to the generation that comes after you, to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. In fact, this could be a whole new through line to a generation that you may not even be able to see yet. That's the power of a spoken blessing. It can literally reshape your family's history. It can literally reshape your current situation and circumstances by the power of spoken words. But whose words matter? Whose words are able to have this kind of power over our lives? Well, sociologists tell us that there is a direct link between our self-esteem, our self-concept, how we see ourselves, and what the most important key people in our lives say about us. And when I talk about important key people, I, I'm talking about like your parents. Uh, I'm talking about your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It could even be like your uh, employer, your boss. Like they have like a power over you to speak into you. And, and that's all normal, right? Like we need like some external feedback, people to tell us from the outside looking in, like how we're doing and making sure that we're in alignment with reality. But the problem is, is when their words that they use are actually debilitating. They're derogatory. They're not constructively criticizing. They're actually trying to tear you apart, tear you down. It actually keeps you from flourishing the way God meant you to flourish. And what it does, it creates this script that we inadvertently start to live by whenever we face situations that are challenging or maybe uh, overly, like, you know, difficult for us. Like, for instance, you're in a situation and you're like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I'm strong enough to, to get through this. I don't know if I've got really got what it takes. I'm definitely not smart enough. I'm, I'm so stupid. I, I'm just useless. I don't have what it takes. When you start to hear that script, you need to pause and say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> According to who? According to who? Who says I don't have what it takes? Who says I'm not strong enough? I'm not smart enough? Who, who says I don't have what it takes? Is it your heavenly father in heaven? Does he speak these condemning thoughts over you? Absolutely not. It could be a critical parent. It could be a spouse. It could be someone who's spoken these words that literally are like arrows in our hearts that keep us from becoming who God made us to be. But then there's people who it seems like they have been marinating in love and affirmation their entire lives. Whenever those challenges occur, they have this sense of, yeah, I got this. I don't need to be afraid. Like, I'm nervous, but I'm just going to keep going. Or, you know, yeah, like, I don't know how we're going to fix this situation, but let's just keep moving forward. We'll figure it out. Where do they seem to get this sense of courage, this sense of boldness in the face of life's challenges? According to who? Well, during key points of their life, someone probably spoke truth to them, probably spoke words of blessing over them, words that they have internalized that keep them moving forward even in the face of some devastating tragedies in their lives today. And see, the truth of the matter is this, is we believe we're loved and accepted 
to the degree that we've been told we're loved and accepted. Marinate in that a little bit. We believe we're loved and accepted to the degree that key people in our lives tell us that we're loved, tell us that we're accepted. And for many of us, those key people, when we're younger, are our parents. The words that they speak to us, good and bad, have a way of kind of uh, internalizing us. They become part of that inward script that they have. So according to what they say to us is kind of how we see ourselves in the world. And then as we get older, maybe it goes from our shifts from our parents to our spouses. And so when a husband says to his wife, honey, you look beautiful. You're more beautiful now than when I first met you. Can build up, can breathe life. Or they can devastate if they say, you know, honey, you really need to take better care of yourself. You, you need to lose some weight. You're not looking very attractive. Well, then all of a sudden you start to kill life. You take it away. And it can be, and it can be terrible. In fact, you know, the other day someone came up to me and they said, you know, Pastor Nathan, I got to be honest, you're, you're looking kind of old. <laughs> I was like, first off, you don't actually say that, right? You can think whatever you want. You don't need to tell me that. And then I'm like, and I'm getting a little defensive. I'm like, I look old. Well, according to who? And they said, well, according to FaceApp, you're lo- you look really old. <laughs> and so, listen, if the Russians want that, they can do whatever they want with that picture. I don't care. But listen, I hope I look that good when I'm old. But you know, another thing which is interesting is I've spoken with a number of people who've told me, you know, Nathan, my mom has always struggled with anxiety and fear. I struggle with anxiety and fear. My grandmother has struggled with anxiety and fear. It seems like there's this through line throughout our generations where we've struggled with anxiety and fear, and I don't want to pass that on to my kids. I don't want to pass it on to the next generation. I don't want them to be limited in fulfilling their calling and and their potential that God has for their lives because of the fear that we've experienced as a family. And see, that's the power of spoken blessing. Spoken blessing means that the past does not have to be our future, amen? It means that our God can break through those strongholds. Amen, give God a praise. He can break through those strongholds. He can come through and rewrite our stories in a redemptive way when we are able to embrace the power of spoken blessing. So it gives us the question, according to whose words will we live our lives by? Will we live our lives by God's words or the world's words? It's our choice to choose. We can rewrite the scripts or we can keep living by the same old scripts. But I want to take a look at how God uses words. So if you're following along in our app and you're taking notes, I want to look at three ways that God uses words which are really important for us. The first is this, is that God uses words to create life. In Genesis 1, it says, God says, let there be light and there was light. This is the power of God to create worlds with his words. Literally, by the power of his words, there was light and there was darkness. There was earth and there was sky. Earth and there was sky. There was <laughs> land. Yeah, I'm all mixed up right here. But like literally, by the power of God's words, things happened. Things came into being. There were animals and there were plants and there were trees and all these beautiful things that we take for granted of. By the power of God's words, they came about. That's the power of the words of God. They create. Not only does God use words to create, God uses words to sustain life. I love what Hebrews 1.3 says. It says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful, what's that word, church? Word. word. 
By his powerful word, he sustains all of life. If you think of our very molecules coming together, holding together, it's by the word of Jesus. If you think about the fact that our planet spins around at about 66,000 miles per hour, that's literally held together by the word of Jesus. If you think about how the fact that our earth is in the right perfect spot, if it's a millimeter too close to the sun, we'd be burnt up. If we were a millimeter away, we'd be a complete ice planet. We are held together perfectly sustained by the words of Jesus. God uses words to create life. He uses words to sustain life, and he also uses words to transform life. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, these words that we're reading today were first read over 2,000 years ago. And they changed people's lives 2,000 years ago. It upended empires. It turned the world upside down, the very words of God. And still to this day, 2019, the words of God are changing and transforming us. Amen? Amen. That's the power of the word of God. It transforms lives then, and it transforms lives now. See, the word of God is not just a dusty uh, recording of historical documents. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts and rules to live by. The Word of God is actually a love letter written by God the Father to you. It's where He is showing us His intentions for us, His love for us, dying for us so that we could have life, so that we could have life eternal, so we could have a relationship with Him. His Word, if you see it as a love letter, It combats the lies of this world. It rewrites the scripts that we believe about ourselves. Scripts that say that I'm useless. Scripts that say that I'm dumb. Scripts that say I just don't have what it takes to get through this season of life, to get through these different challenges. Instead, we can rewrite the script where God says, I love you. I I desire you. I I just want to be with you. I know you can do it. I am in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world I love what the prophet Zephaniah says about God. He says, he, talking about God the Father, will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. See, it's this picture of a father, of a daddy singing over his infant child in the crib. You know, when God thinks about you, he smiles. And he starts to hum. He starts to sing. That's how your heavenly father feels about you. That's what he thinks about you. You're worthy of being delighted in. You're worthy of great things. According to who? According to your Father in heaven. But unfortunately, we don't always live by the script that Jesus gives us. We live by the script that the world gives us, sometimes in reaction to the way our earthly fathers have looked upon us and have treated us. And a great example of this is in the life of General George C. Marshall. General Marshall is a, or was one of the most decorated military and statesmen in in history. In fact, maybe you remember in history class, you learned about the Marshall Plan that was put together after World War II. Uh, General Marshall mentored Dwight D. Eisenhower. He was the Secretary of State for FDR and uh, Harry Truman. He was a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, and he had all these different accolades and all these awards, but yet they never seemed to fill a deep, 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 deep whole that could only come from his father's affirmation. You see, at the last week of General Marshall's life, he was talking to his goddaughter, and he asked her, do you think, you think dad would be proud of me? And she said this to him. She said, Colonel Marshall, I'm sorry your father didn't live long enough to know 
what a great son he had, he would have been very proud of you. Do, do you think so? Marshall answered. I'd like to believe, I'd like to believe that he would have approved of me. General Marshall was a five-star general. He received the Nobel Peace Prize. He was one of the greatest statesmen in the history of the United States. But yet this man still desired the approval of his father, a dad that wrote him off as the youngest son, seen as a screw-up that no, he thought would never amount to anything. And yet to this day, or to his day, every award he got, every uh, accolade, there was this question haunting, will, will this be enough? Will my dad love me more now? Will he approve of me now? Will he affirm me now? See, General Marshall was living out this same truth that we only believe we're loved and accepted to the degree which the most important person in our life says they love and accept us. See, in some ways, when we don't receive the barach, the spoken blessing from those key people, we spend our lives striving to get it. Whether we can get it from a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether we can get it from a spouse, we strive at work, maybe even on the border of being a workaholic, so we can get that blessing, get that approval from someone when really, deep down, we're desiring it from our, a good, good father, someone important in our lives. Did you have someone give you that barach, speak that blessing over you? give you that affirmation? Or better yet, is there someone that you need to speak that barak to, that affirmation to, so that they can live out of a script that will help them flourish and fulfill their divine destiny in Christ? Because we learn that words have power. Words can wound and they can cripple, or they can bless and they can give life. They can enable us to flourish and fulfill the destiny that God has for us. And maybe you've never received that blessing, but here's the good news. Our God is a generous God, amen? And our God desires to give you the blessing. He wants to give you the affirmation that maybe you never got from your earthly father so that you can pass that on to those that come after you. Because this was so important, this was so crucial that even Jesus needed to receive this before he began his earthly ministry. In fact, Luke, who is one of Jesus' biographers, actually takes, has an account of where Jesus receives this from God. It says this in Luke chapter 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. In fact, why don't we all say this together, church? Ready? You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is the Barak. This is the spoken blessing from God the Father to God the Son, saying, you are my son, in whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus, you are my boy. You are grounded in this relationship I have with you. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter that your disciples will abandon you. It doesn't matter if the Pharisees will try to kill you. All that matters is that my love and my affirmation is greater than all of those things. That is what Jesus was able to stand under, and that is who we are called to be. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. It doesn't matter what names are spoken over you. All that matters is what God has said over you. Amen? And your Heavenly Father has determined your identity and your value on the cross. Just pause on that for a second. Your worth and your value has already been determined because Jesus died for you. He gave everything. God gave his best so that you'd experience the affirmation of God. And it's not just because God loves you, because, you know, we know that could be a theological truth, yeah, and it's very, you know, ah, that's nice, God loves me. But no, no, no. You see, 
God the Father looks at you as a daddy looks upon his child. He dodes on you. He desires you. He, he, he thinks about all of your potential. He dreams about what your life is going to become. He loves spending time with you. Even if you don't receive his love or not, he still radiates the father's love, that daddy, Abba, love, the love that's just all about affirmation and affection and joy. Do you feel that? Have you experienced that kind of love that the Father directs towards you? Have you opened yourself up to receive that affection, that affirmation? You see, if I asked you, how do you think God feels about you right now, what would you say? I know maybe some of you would say, well, I feel like he's kind of distant because I was never that close with my earthly father, so maybe God's kind of distant or, you know, I think he's kind of mad at me because, you know, I'm kind of a jerk and Maybe, you know, maybe he just doesn't li like me right now. Or, you know, I, I just don't know. I'm kind of agnostic about it. I don't, I don't know how God feels about me. But you see, for Jesus, there was no doubt. Jesus knew that this is what God said about him. This is my son, whom I love. With you, I'm, what's this word, church? Well pleased. And guys, we need to understand that this is how God sees you. He says, this is my son. This is my daughter. You are the one whom I love, and I'm well pleased with you. Because we got to get this. Before Jesus did anything, God approved of him and affirmed him. Before Jesus preached one sermon, before Jesus prayed one prayer, before he healed anyone, before he went on a mission trip, before he even died for the sins of the world, God said, I love you, I affirm you, and I see who you're going to be coming. In the same way, we need to understand before you do anything, before you say anything, doesn't matter what you do, how good or how bad, the Father loves you, amen? He affirms you. He is pleased with you. Because that is who he is. As a good father, he radiates love and affection towards us. See, according to him, he receives us fully and completely. See, I, I think oftentimes we're asked, you know, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus? Well, part of the blessing is there's a reversal there where it goes from do we believe in God where we have to affirm that he believes in us. Your heavenly father, who is pleased in you, says, I believe in you. I believe that you've got what it takes I believe that as difficult as this season has been, I am with you. I believe that as confused as you are right now, I am in you and I am leading you through this confusing, difficult time. And I believe in you, that you've got what it takes. And more than anything else, my wife and I, we desire our kids to know this, to know this affirmation that because their Heavenly Father loves them, they can do anything, that God has called them to accomplish great things, and he wants them to flourish. In fact, we had this opportunity to do this in my, my daughter's life this past week. Uh, so this past week, we went on our family vacation. We went on a big one. We went to Disney World, and so it was great. And so I could do a whole sermon on Disney World, but I won't. I'll constrain myself. And so, you know, for months, my daughter's been really excited. She's like, Dad, I'm finally tall enough. I can go on the big roller coasters. I can't wait. And like, there's this big loop-de-loop -loop one called the Rock and Roller Coaster. Dad, I can't wait to go on it. It's going to be awesome. And she's been excited for months. She's like so stoked. I'm like, all right, this is going to be great. And so finally the day comes. We're about to get on the Rock and Roller Coaster. And so I got one of these Disney Fast Passes. So instead of waiting for an hour and a half, we just got to wait for 20 minutes. So it's pretty awesome. And so we get in line, and we're waiting. And so we're getting really close to where the ride is, right? So we can literally see people getting on and they're going through, and they're screaming, and their hands are all up. And so we're getting ready for it, and I look over, and my daughter's eyes are as wide as saucers. 
and her lips quivering a little bit. And she's like, Daddy, I'm scared. I can't do this. Like, I, I just can't do this, Daddy. Like, it's just too scary. And so, you know, this is a moment, right? This is a moment where, for, in this moment, like, I'm kind of like the authority figure where I can speak into my daughter's life at this moment. And so I kind of take a moment with her and I said, all right, sweetie, listen, if you want, we can uh, g- get off this ride right now, but you're going to regret it. But <laughs> she, she will, right? Or, or, you know what? I believe that you can do this. You can step over your fear, and you're going to have an amazing time. This ride is going to be awesome. Okay, what, what do you say? She's like, okay, Daddy, I'll, I think I can do it. I'll try. And so we get right to the gate part, right, where it opens up, and we're about to get into the car. And so we're sitting in the little cart part, and all of a sudden, my daughter starts wailing. She's like, no, Daddy, I can't do it. I'm, it's too scary. I'm scared. I can't do this. And so, you know, we have another moment, right? We have this moment where I could really speak into her life. And so you know what I say? I say nothing. I just take the harness and put it on her so she can't get out. And so as this is going on, she's like, no, daddy, I'm screaming. Like, you know, like everyone around us is giving us dirty looks. Like, what kind, of, what kind of dad is that, you know? And so, you know, and I'm like saying, sweetie, it's okay. You got this. You got this. You're like, ah! you know, and we're going 100 miles an hour on the roller coaster. And you know what? She had a great time. In fact, here, I'll show you a picture of this right here. This is a picture of her. She's having an amazing time. So fun. If you're listening to the podcast, no, she's terrified. Um, but you know, we're going through this and I'm looking at her face. And I'm like, oh great, I'm going to get in trouble. My wife's going to yell at me. She's going to throw up. She's never going to trust me again. Finally, we get to the ride. And, you know, it's a Disney ride, so it ends at the gift shop. So we get there and she looks at me and goes, Daddy, can we do it again? And I said, yes, but no more crying. So, you know, but you know, what was really kind of interesting is that my daughter's fear didn't go away even after I affirmed her. You know, the fear was still there, but because me as her dad said, you can do this, I believe in you, she kind of hung in there. And I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you're experiencing a health challenge right now, and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe your marriage is struggling right now, and you're like, I don't think I can, I don't know if I, if I have what it takes to push through this. Or, or maybe you're struggling with your singleness, and you're like, I just feel so alone. Your Heavenly Father says, I believe in you. You've got what it takes in this season. I'm with you. You're not alone in this. Keep going. These four words, I believe in you, this is a blessing. And this blessing has the power that a parent can speak to a child, a teacher to a student, a, a boss to an employee. Hey, listen, I know you're struggling right now, but I think you've got what it takes to do this. You just keep going, keep pushing through. Or even a spouse, a wife to a husband. Hey, I know you're going for this new job. You got this. I believe in you. I, I know that you can do this. See, that's the power of the spoken blessing. Who do you need a barak from right now? Who do you need a spoken blessing from? But more importantly, who needs a barak from you? Who needs you to speak a word of blessing to them? A, a spouse, a child, a friend? Who needs to hear that word? Because you see, we are given an invitation from God the Father to be agents of affirmation to actually work with God to affirm people, to help people realize that they are made in the image of God and he's got plans and purposes for their lives. You guys know what affirmation means? Affirmation basically means that you are pointing at people and you're basically reminding them who they are. 
See, when God affirms you, he says, I've got a calling on your life. I have not called you for mediocrity. I have raised you up to get to the next level. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. You can step into that, amen? You can live out the calling that God has for you. You are not called to stay where you are, but you can actually rise up and become who he has made you to be, and he is with you in that. He is preparing you. He is developing you. He is building you into the man or woman of faith to fulfill your destiny, to accomplish what he has made you to do. Amen? That's who you are. And you are called to speak that out into every man, woman, child that you encounter. Whether it's at the gas station or the grocery store, you're called to speak life, to be an agent of affirmation, to say the words, I believe in you. I call out, I call out the potential that's there. But let's be honest. I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, okay, Nathan, I get it. Nice words, right? Speak nice words. But what if there's just people that just can't do it? Like, they just, you know, they just don't have, they don't have a, a track record of success in this area. Well, then God's calling you to, to, by faith, to praise their potential. To praise their potential. Because they may not see it yet, but you need to help them see. In fact, this is pretty critical for parenting, right? Like, I'm, you know, we're parents right now, and so this is something that we always have to constantly be doing, is to learn how to praise the, their potential, even when we're trying to have these discipline situations. In fact, you know, the other day, you know, we're with our kids, and they're playing, and then, you know, my son slaps his sister in the face, I'm just like, you know, I just want to grab and be like, what's wrong with you, you know, which never works, right? But, you know, when those moments come and, and the Spirit of God gets a hold of my heart before, you know, my flesh does, my sinful nature does, it gives me a chance to pause and kind of maybe take some time where I can get on his level and look him in the eye and say, son, God is a great plan for your life. And when he gets a hold of all that energy and all that craziness and directs that, to the kingdom, it's, you are going to be unstoppable. You are going to be such a force for your generation. You're going to be a leader. But in the time being, <laughs> please don't duct tape the dog to your sister. It's just not a good thing to do. You've got so much love and kindness inside you. Why don't you let that come out rather than the chaos and the evil, you know? Now, Listen, you've got to help kids, you know, understand consequences. You've got to discipline them. But can we try to get ourselves to discipline them in a redemptive way? It's not easy. It's difficult because we're human beings as well. But if we can start to do that and kind of build that into our muscle memory, we're going to see God do some incredible things through our kids. Through the words that we say, we can rewrite scripts that were never written for us that way. But it's not only our kids that need words of blessing. It's adults that do as well. You know, I was talking to a woman a couple years ago, and she was telling me that she became a Christian, and her husband was not. And so at first, she was very critical of him. She said, you know, like he would, I would complain about him all the time. He was unloving. He was selfish. He was lazy. He was unspiritual. And, and she kind of went on and on about all these different issues that she had with him. And she's like, you know, I had this revelation. The revelation was that according to me, there was nothing redeem redeemable about him. And I kept speaking those things over him. And I had to change my tune to, I believe in you. And she started to say things like, you know, Paul, I believe that God has given you to us to be the right dad. You are the, God handpicked you to be the father of our kids. And I'm grateful that God has given you, given that to us in our, in our family. Or, you know, I, I know that you've been such a phenomenal husband to me. You've been such a great provider. Truly, God has given you to be the husband I need that I can respect, that I can, that I can love. And here's what's interesting. As she started speaking words of blessing to him, and as she started to pray for him, 
her kids started to imitate her. Her kids, who she brought to church with her, actually started to pick up on, and they started to bless their dad. It was like, hey, dad, I want to thank you so much for investing in me as a kid. You came to all of my games. You came to all of our plays because I knew that you loved us. You truly were the dad that God put in our lives to show us what it means for God to be our heavenly father through your earthly influence. Hey, dad, I know you and mom never really agreed on the faith thing, but I really appreciate how you supported mom, how you loved mom in that, and how you actually became a great model for me to be dad. And what happened was something funny. Over time, as she and her kids started to speak life, blessing into her husband's life, into their dad's life, he eventually came into the kingdom of God. Not because he was forced, not because he was guilted, but because he saw the example of true Christ followers. He saw how Christ followers spoke to one another, and that moved him to say, all right, I want to experience this blessing that you guys are walking in and giving away. See, that's the power of a barach. That's the power of a spoken blessing. It changes things. It changes things from the spiritual realm and then works its way into the natural realm. You got to speak it sometimes before you see it. Ooh, that's good. I got to write that down. You got to speak it before you see it. Because that's how that works. That's how faith works. We got to speak it out loud before we see it. Because we may not see it for a long, long time. And maybe for some of you today, you've never heard that word of affirmation from your father. You've never heard it from your mother. You've never heard it. Well, your heavenly father says it to you right now. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I delight in you. I enjoy thinking about you. I've got plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you hope and a future. So you got to speak those words out till they come internally to you so that it goes out to the world around you. Amen? You got to speak it before you believe it. Because when the father thinks of you, you're his beloved daughter. You're his beloved son. You're his. And when he thinks about you, he says, in Christ, you're complete. You're perfect. You're, you're everything I ever wanted. You're beautiful in Christ. You, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's the barach that you've received. And now I want to take time right now for us to share the barach to kind of take it all over New Jersey, all over the country, and all over the world. So here's what I want you to do. And this never happens in church, folks, so this is a Jesus thing. Go ahead and take out your cell phones right now. I know that right now as we've been talking, God's been putting someone on your heart that you need to share a Barak with. Amen? There's someone that God's been putting on your heart, and I want to give you an opportunity to text them. Guess what? You get to text in church. Okay, you go ahead and open up, maybe it's your texting app, maybe it's WhatsApp, maybe it's a Facebook message or a tweet, whatever it is that you feel like God wants you to share that message, but I want you, whoever that person is, maybe it's a kid, it's, it's your spouse, maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's a coworker, but I want you to speak a word of Barak to them. It doesn't just have to be a spoken word, it can be a texted word, it can be an emailed word, and maybe it can be a word of affirmation. Maybe you need to affirm something in somebody today. A word of affirmation. Maybe it's something along the lines of, hey, listen, I know you're going through a hard season right now, but God is with you. You've got what it takes to get through this season. I believe in you. Or maybe you need to praise someone's potential. It's like they don't see something in themselves, but you see it. You're like, hey, listen, I know that you're kind of scared about being a dad right now. It wasn't what you were expecting, but you got this. God is with you. In Christ, you know, you know, he's going to give you the strength that you need. He's going to give you the resources you need. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is at your fingertips. Or maybe for some of you, you can help someone actually reverse the curse. Words were spoken against them. 
key people in their life tore them down, you can help build them up. You can say, hey, I want to remind you. I know, I know what your parents said was devastated, but you know, you know how God sees you? God sees you as chosen. God sees you as blessed. God sees you as desirable. Speak those words that are going to break off the negative, break off the broken in their lives today. So right now, who's that person that God's nudging you to message? Go ahead. You can go ahead and text them right now. I'm going to finish mine right here. Go ahead and hit send. And as these holy text messages are going out, I want to pray for them right now. I want to pray that all over New Jersey, all over the United States, and all over the world, that messages and words of blessing are going to go and have a holy impact. So Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you so much for the power of your words. Your words are creative. Your words are sustaining, and your words are transformative. So I pray for the words and the text messages that are going out right now, that they would create life and opportunity and potential that people never saw in themselves. That God, you would sustain marriages, sustain relationships, sustain places where people are thinking things are falling apart. And God, would you bring transformation? Would you bring life out of death? Would you bring light out of darkness through the power of your words? Father, I pray that you would help us join you to be agents of affirmation, not always looking at the negative, not always looking at what's wrong with things, but actually can build things up, be constructive by the power of your word. God, we pray that as these holy text messages go out, they would counteract words of death, eliminate them, rewrite entire family histories and family perspectives. We pray this, declare this, and ask that you would actualize this in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a praise. Amen. Amen.